following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. What is it that you believe in? What are you believing right now? What is the one thing that you are trusting and anticipating for the Lord to do in your life? The word believe, it, it surfaces here at Christmas time. There's a little sign with it out in our foyer. Many of you have it in your home. There's a lot of different things we believe in at Christmas time. And if I go through this room right now, if I were to go through this congregation asking each individual, what do you believe? What do you believe? What do you believe right now? We would all have something different to say about it. Our beliefs would be a little bit different. Christians as a whole, uh, we are known as believers because of what we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible defines the word believe as this. It's a conviction based on testimony that something is true or that someone is reliable. As used in the Bible, to believe in God involves the element of trust, not mere acknowledgement of his existence. There's a lot of people in this world that believe in a God. They may not believe in the same God that we believe in, there's a lot of people in this world, and we, we had a great discussion about this in our Sunday school class. Not too often do I get our youth to talk a whole lot. They open up today on this topic. Even in Jesus Christ, if you ask different people, what do you believe in Jesus? Who do you believe Jesus was? See, there's a lot of people that believe that Jesus was an actual person, but he was not the son of God. A lot of people believe that Jesus was simply just a prophet, a good teacher, a good person. Not many people, though, truly believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And I think that one of the reasons that Jesus came to this earth, left his home in glory, wrapped himself in flesh and blood, and came as a little baby born of a virgin, was to help our unbelief. One of the uh, messages, one of the uh incidents that Jesus was involved in, one of the stories in the book of Mark, I'm going to refer to this over and over again. That man came to Jesus. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So I think Jesus came to help us through our doubts, through our unbeliefs, and help our belief to even become stronger. God will come close to you Christmas time. That's what we're talking about in the month of December. Why did the Lord come to this earth and dwell with us. Do you believe? Do you believe that he actually did? Man, I, I began thinking about some of the crazy things that we actually believe in these days. There's some people that believe in UFOs. There's some people that believe in Sasquatch, the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> this time of year, we believe in a jolly old man who comes in the middle of the night, leaves gifts, that reindeer fly. There's all kind of things that we believe in. But when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ, what do you really believe in? Because what you believe in Jesus is going to shape who you are, what you do, what you think, what you say. There's a teaching method that we know. Some of you have been involved in the education system or familiar with this. Uh, it's an element that is used in our students' 
Sunday school curriculum. We, we want to teach a head, heart, and hand method. First, you have to convince a person in their mind that this is actually the truth. It's just something that they can believe in. Once it initiates in their mind, then it activates something in their heart. It generates more than just a thought. It's an emotion. It's something that involves your whole being, every element of your life, because once it sinks into your heart, then it involves an action. It goes out to your hands and begins shaping who you are, what you do, and what you say. So we're in the Gospel of John this morning, chapter 1. The book of John is a very, very uh, important book. It is a very different book other than uh, apart from the other three Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic Gospels. That word synoptic means that they see things in the same way. John saw things in a little bit different manner. One of the unique things about the Gospel of John is that he uses the word believe or believing or believeth, if you're using the King James Version, more than any other book, not just in the New Testament, but in the entire Bible. As a matter of fact, uh, I counted just the word believe at least 50 times is used in the book of John. Here's the unique thing about that. John uses this word in his letter of the gospel here. He uses it in 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John repeated times. John also wrote a book known as the Revelation of Jesus Christ. That word believe is not found at all in the book of Revelation. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's awesome. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, that means something. Because words do more than just say something. Words do something. And, and today I want the word believe to do something in your life as well. We're going to look at four specific things that what we believe will actually impact in our lives. Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I made the challenge earlier uh, this month to go through the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John during this Christmas time, and just revisit the Gospels. Read through all of them in the month of December. Starting from the beginning to the end, read through the, maybe take one day and read the Gospel of Mark. Maybe take one week and read the Gospel of Matthew, but sometime during the course of the month, read through all four of the Gospels and just revisit the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what John had to say about the beginning of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other three Gospels begin from his birth. John writes it a little bit different, though. He goes beyond the birth of Jesus Christ. He's saying it wasn't just his birth here on earth when Jesus started. He said Jesus was there from the very beginning. Verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. That word, Word is capitalized there. It is referring to Jesus Christ. He was the living Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. I hope and pray that you do believe that. In him was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. 
He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into this world. He was in the world. The world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, speaking of the Jewish people here, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. Father God, we thank you so much for these powerful words. And Lord, we thank you so much that you came as the living word to dwell among us and not only tell us and teach us, but to reveal to us the true natures of God. And I just ask, Lord God, that today if there's anyone here who is uh, wavering in their belief, who is shaky in their faith, who has some type of doubt of who you are, Lord God, I pray that you would reveal to them today, plain and clear, your true nature. We just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now in this passage, there are two important words that I really want to focus on. That word received and believe. We see that there are two different types of receiving. Uh, The Jewish people did not receive him. But it says to those who do receive him, they gave him the right to become the sons of God. The first instance, the word received in the original Greek language is the word paralambano, which means to associate one's self with. So in other words, the Jewish people, most of them rejected Jesus as their Messiah. He just was not who in their minds they thought he should have been. The second instance of receiving, which involves us as Christians, as true believers, is the word lambano, which means to take or to accept or to attain. As many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. The sons of God. We talked about that uh, not too long ago in the Latin is the word imago Dei. We are in the image of God. But here it says to as many as have received him and believed in him, those are the ones that he has given the right to become his sons. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The word believe, it has a different connotation to it. The word believe comes from the Greek word pistueo, which means to have faith in a person or thing to entrust, to commit, or to put trust in. The word believe is not just a one-time event, but it is a continual event. Are you believing in what God can do in your life today? We're going to see four different things. Not all of them come specifically from this text. Three of them do. One of them is one that I want to really emphasize today because it's something that we've been learning on over the past couple of years. The first three are this, what we believe will impact our thoughts. The second one is what we believe will impact our words. And the third one is what we believe will impact our actions, head, heart, and hands. Point number one, what we believe will impact our thoughts. 
verses one through five here says that uh, he was in the world and the world did not know him. In him was life and that life was the light of man and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. It's interesting that he points this out. We know that Satan is the prince of the darkness. Jesus is of the light. We see in this world, there are, you are either of the light or of the darkness. But it says here that the darkness did not comprehend Jesus coming as the light of the world. What does that mean? It means that someone who has not yet believed is in the dark. They are on the dark side. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 says this. It says, the natural man does not receive the things of God. For they are foolish to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. If the light of Jesus Christ has not yet shone upon your life yet, if you have not received him as your personal Lord and Savior, Satan has blinded your mind, has kept you from receiving the truth of who Jesus Christ is. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 3 through 4 says this. It says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. In other words, he has covered them up and kept them in the dark. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Has the glory of God illuminated your mind as to who the person of Jesus Christ actually is? The Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus said there was a light, a blinding light that shone down upon him. And it was the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted the Apostle Paul to see who he was. Have you believed? Has, does what you believe impact your thoughts? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. The first way of coming out of the darkness and into the light is that there is a God that exists. And that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for our sins. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is. In other words, in your mind, you have been convinced. It has been revealed to you. The darkness is no longer there. The light is shining into your your mind and your thoughts. And it also goes on to say this, not only uh, he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So Jesus put his disciples to a test in Matthew chapter 16. He wanted to see exactly what they thought in their minds as to who he really was. He, He brought them to a place called Caesarea Philippi. Actually, it was known as the gates of Hades back in those days. And in that setting, he he challenged all of his disciples. First of all, he asked this question. He said, what's the word on the street? He said, who do men say that I am? 
He wanted to get a report from them. What have you been hearing about me? What do other people say about me? And he let them express their thoughts. He said, some people say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're a prophet. Some say that you're a good teacher. Much like what we have in our modern times today. People still say the same thing about Jesus. Oh, he was just a man. He was just a a mere human being. He was mortal, just like you and I. He wasn't the son of God. He was just a prophet, a good person. Some people will not deny the existence of Jesus Christ, but they will deny his deity. And that's exactly what the disciples reported to Jesus on that day. He said, some people say that you're just Elijah. Others say you're just a prophet. You're not the son of God. But then Jesus turned the question on them. He wanted to test their belief. And I think some of us today, our our belief has been tested from time to time. We get into a bad situation. Our finances aren't where they need to be. Our health is not where it needs to be. We have enemies, people speaking out against us. We see wars going on in the world. And we begin to doubt God. God, do you really exist? If you really do exist, if you are such a a good God, why do bad things in this world happen? We begin to doubt the existence of God based on what we visually see around us. So Jesus turned this question on his disciples. He says, okay, that's what everybody else says about me. That's what the word on the street is as to who I am. But now they had been with Jesus for some time now. They had seen his miracles. They had heard his teachings. They had saw him heal people, feed the multitudes, walk on water. And then he turns the question around to them. He says, all right, who do you say I am? And that's the question I have for you today. Who do you say that Jesus is? Do you really believe that this little baby that was born in a town called Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago that you've only read about, that you've sung these songs about, who do you say that Jesus really is? Because in your mind, you have to first be convinced, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Simon Peter was the first one to speak out in Matthew chapter 16. He said, "You, thou art the Christ. You are the son of God. Jesus said, that's exactly what I wanted you to hear. Because if you will first believe that in your head, I can take control of your heart. And then we can do things out in this world to make my kingdom grow. What you believe will have a profound impact on your thoughts. Not just once, but every second of every day. That's what believing is, and that's how believing impacts your thoughts. What floods your mind throughout the day? What is it that occupies your mind more than anything else? School, business, schedules, agendas, or do you say Jesus could come at any time (laughs) because he came to this earth just like he said he would. He died just like he said he would, and he said he's coming back, and it could be today. Is that something you think about on a regular basis? Because if you believe, it's going to impact your thoughts. 
And that's going to be one of those thoughts. Typically, once an idea or concept is embedded in your mind, it then becomes a part of who you are, your volition, your inner being, your person. And let me just say this. Just because you don't believe something doesn't mean that that thing does not exist or cannot exist. You just have to be convinced of it. Christians are called believers because being a Christian means that you believe what Jesus taught and you practice what he commanded. Many of you remember many years ago the movement, what would Jesus do? We, we ask ourselves that question. We wore T-shirts and bracelets and necklaces, caps, and we wanted to know, am I thinking about what Jesus would do? Am I acting out my life according to what Jesus would have done in this situation. And that's how your belief impacts your thoughts. And that's how your belief should impact your thoughts as a true believer. Next thing we see is that what we believe impacts our words. Peter's words, it impacted who he was. What he thought in his mind impacted the words that he spoke when Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? Peter's words were this, thou art the Christ, the son of God. You are who you said you were. Here in our passage in John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, we're introduced to a man by the name of John. He was one of them off-the-wall prophets. He was a strange individual. He clothed himself in camel hair and a leather belt, and he ate wild locusts and honey, and he baptized people in the River Jordan. But John the Baptist was the predecessor. He was the front-runner to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the one that would prepare everyone for the arrival of the Messiah. John was just a little bit older than Jesus was. And his words while he was here on the earth had a profound impact on the people of his culture in his day. He says, this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. John came to this world and he said, make straight the way of the Lord. I baptize you with water, but there will be one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to unlatch. He will baptize with fire and with the Holy Spirit. What John the Baptist believed about Jesus impacted his words and the way he preached. Even when John the Baptist was in his mother's womb, his mother and Mary met. Mary told his mother, I, I, I have, I have a, a baby inside of my womb as well. And an angel told me he is the Messiah. When John the Baptist heard this, even in his mother's womb, it says the baby leapt within the mother's womb that the words of the Messiah was coming. But what John the Baptist believed about who he was impacted his words that he spoke. Here's the thing about what we believe. It impacts our minds. And what we truly believe impacts our words because what we believe in our heart We tend to talk more about those things more strongly than anything else. If you truly believe in something, what you love, what your mind ponders on, what your mind dwells on, those are the topics that you generally talk about more than anything else. And as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're constantly thinking about Jesus' life, mimicking his actions, his life, 
obeying his commands and following what he has asked us to do, that's going to influence our words that we speak, our testimony, our witness. How's your witness today? If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been convinced in your mind that he's coming back soon, how's your witness today? When's the last time you spoke to someone about the Lord Jesus Christ? We talk about sports. We talk about the weather. We talk about politics. We talk about hobbies. We talk about occupations. We talk about everything else. But rarely do we talk about who Jesus was and how he can impact the life of another person. What you strongly believe in the most will first occupy your mind and then it fills your heart. And then when your heart is filled with that belief, it begins to surface in your speech as well. What's in your heart will overflow out of your mouth. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 15. He says, it's not what goes into the mouth that makes a man unclean, but what comes out of the mouth. Adrian Rogers used to say this. He says, what's in the well usually comes up in the bucket. (laughs) If you've ever drawn water out of a well, if you've ever seen that in a picture, you're only going to get what's down in the bottom of that well, and that's what's going to come up in the bucket when it surfaces. What's in your heart is what's going to surface through your speech. And in your mind, if you've been convinced that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and it's impacted your heart, that should be what's coming out in your speech, your conduct. It should activate something inside of you. Have you ever been around someone who can't say one sentence without including a curse word in it? Guess what might be in their heart? It's not Jesus, (laughs) because Jesus wouldn't say those things. Their words really reveal what's going on inside of their hearts, and that should not be the case for a believer. Psalms chapter 19, verse 14 says this. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Even the psalmist made a connection between what he believed and what he thought, the meditations of his heart impacting his speech as well. And the next thing we see, point number three, what we believe will impact our actions as well. What we believe will impact our actions as well. John chapter one, verses 10 through 12, we see two responses. We see a rejection and we see an acceptance. Some people in their minds were not convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. Some people were. Some people rejected him as the Messiah, and some people accepted him as a Messiah. If you'll note, there is no middle ground there. You either accept him or you reject him as your Savior. Rejection and acceptance. Some chose not to believe, and they rejected. They simply refused to trust in Jesus with their lives, and they missed out on a blessing. Beginning in verse 12, it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, 
to those who believe in his name. John makes a very quick, close, and strong connection between receiving and believing. Those who did not believe, they rejected him and they missed out on this opportunity. But to as many as who do believe and accept Jesus, look at what John says is the benefit. They were given the right, the privilege, the opportunity to become children of God. What is John saying here? He says there's only one way to become a child of God, and that's by believing and receiving in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus echoed these same words in John chapter 14. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And that's exactly what John is saying here in chapter one as well. I see we got some kids back there. I want all the kids to come down front here for just a minute. If you consider yourself a kid, you can come down too as well and take part in this. But I want all the kids to come down here for just a minute. I got something for you. So they believe that I'm fixing to do something for them. And their belief has led them to a action here. <laughs> their parents have made them come down. Oh, what do you see right there? So do you believe that I have something for you today? What makes you believe that? What do I give you every Sunday when you leave out of here? Really? And you believe that I'm going to do that today too? What if I told you I had something in this box right here for you? Would you believe that? Why would you believe that? You hear it. What do you think it is? Yeah. What do you think it is? Does it sound like tic-tacs though? What do tic-tacs sound like? They sound like that, huh? That don't sound the same, does it? But do you really believe that there's something in this box for you? Okay, we're getting theological with it now. Well, let's, let's keep it a little more simple than that. <laughs> but you can't see what's in this box. But based on my word and the sound that you hear, you're pretty convinced that there's something in there. Let's do a guessing game. So, these are long and skinny. They're red and white. They're sweet. What do you think it is? Very good. Get you a couple of them. I know you got a little brother that's going to need one too. He missed out on this, huh? All right. So what they believed in, they were convinced in their minds. Their hearts were convinced because they've known from past experiences. But their actions really revealed what they truly believed. Did you get one or not? You don't want one? We'll get you one. But this did not become theirs until they actually reached out and received it. Because what they believed, what they were convinced of in their minds and their hearts led to an action. But that action did not come to fruition until they reached out and received it. All right, y'all can go back to your seats. Thank you for helping me out today. Head, heart, hands. What you believe is going to have a profound influence on who you are, what you do, and what you say.
And if you truly do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, he came to this earth as a little baby born in Bethlehem. That gift of eternal life that he offers you is not yours until you actually reach out and receive it for your own. But you first of all have to be convinced. What is the evidence that you need? We, we talked about doubting Thomas this morning, Sunday school lesson. We all know about doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas missed out on the first opportunity to see Jesus. Jesus came and revealed himself to all the other disciples, but for some reason, Thomas was not there. But eight days later, Jesus came to him to help him overcome his doubts because he was not convinced in his mind. He didn't believe the apostles' report. He said, until I see for myself, I want to visually see and touch and know for sure. And only then will I be convinced that Jesus really did come back from the grave as he said he would. And Jesus came back intentionally for Thomas. And he told Thomas, he, he, he walked through the room, locked doors, didn't address anyone else in the crowd, but he came to Thomas to help him overcome his doubts. He says, Thomas, here I am. What are you going to do? Are you going to believe now? Now, we've never seen Jesus physically in bodily form. We've only read about him on the pages of the Bible. But here's what Jesus told Thomas, and here's something that you need to remember as well. Jesus told Thomas, he said, blessed are you because you have seen. He said, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. Seeing is believing. We all believe that with all of our hearts. We're all convinced about it. We all know that saying. And most of us stand with that belief in our heart. I'm not going to believe something until I actually see it. We've been watching the weather forecast all week long because Marcy had an outdoor event yesterday. Our belief was based upon what we saw in that weather forecast. And if you know, weather forecasters are only right maybe half the time at best. <laughs> and a lot of us put a lot of stock in it. It's amazing to me how much stuff we will put our belief in and our trust in. But yet most of the times we won't trust God with a simple situation in our life. And what does it take a person to really be convinced that Jesus was who he said he was? If you're here today and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you may be that deciding factor for some person. Your life, your testimony, the way you conduct yourself, they see you going to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You're here for Bible study. You're here for Operation Christmas Child. You're here for those actions speak volumes about what you truly believe. And when other people see that, they see evidence. You are living, breathing proof that God can change your life. And my question to you is this today. Has God changed your life? Have you been convinced in your head that God is real, that Jesus is his one and only son who died for our sins? And has that impacted your heart, your mind, your volition, your character, and does it impact your actions each and every day? Last but not least, this is not found in the text. 
But this is something that I struggle with all the time. What we believe will impact our prayers. What are you praying about right now? Right now? What have you prayed about in the past? What victory have you actually seen God do in your life? What miracle have you been a part of? What prayers have you seen answered in your life? Matthew chapter 21, verses 21 through 22, Jesus said this. He said, assuredly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Verse 22, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Matthew is also making this connection between believing and receiving. Same way John did here in chapter one, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. What are you believing today? And what are you receiving based upon that belief? Mark chapter 11, turn there real quick and we'll wrap it up with this passage. Mark chapter 11, because I want you to see this for yourself. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. Jesus basically says the same thing. The, the fig tree had withered. He had cursed it the day before. He came back the next day and it was withered. And the disciples wanted to know, how could this fig tree have withered away so quickly? How do you do these things? Verse 22, Jesus says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Very strong connection between believing and receiving all throughout the Bible and the majority of the gospel writers make that connection. John 6, 47, Jesus was talking to uh, Martha. She, he says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. However, your opportunity to believe may end soon. As I mentioned earlier, in the book of Revelation, the word believe is not found, not even one time. While you're alive, while you're drawing breath, while your heart is beating, would you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today? If you have not accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior and received that gift of eternal life, here's how you can do it. And I want you to see the connection once again between what you believe in your heart and the words in your mouth. It's a verse that I've used practically dozens of times. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
What will you be saved from? You'll be saved from the penalty of sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Romans 3.23 says that we're all guilty of sin, each and every one of us. And it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that our sins can be washed away. And Paul here in Romans 10 echoes that same thing. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, just like Peter did there at Caesarea Philippi, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. However, that belief should create a reaction through your heart. And right here in Romans 10, Paul is saying, here are your first steps of faith. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, everything that is within you that God is raising from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, he says, for it is with the heart one believes unto righteousness, but it is with the mouth that confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11 says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Are you living in belief or disbelief? Have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior or have you rejected him? Your eternal salvation rests upon what you believe and who you believe that Jesus was. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The invitation this morning is for everyone in this congregation, everyone in the sound of my voice, you have a decision to make on what you're going to do with Jesus. Who do you say Jesus is? What do you believe? And has your belief made an impact in your life and in the lives of those around you? You're here this morning and you've never stepped out in faith and if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says that one of these days every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if you've never done that, today is your opportunity to do that. Say, well, Brother Tracy, I don't know what to say. Just tell Jesus you want him as your Lord and Savior. Say, God, I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up and I know my life is not where you want it to be. And today I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you shed your blood for my sins and I now accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And to the best of my ability, I will follow you all of the days of my life, trusting and believing in you to guide me. And he'll do that. And if you want to pray that prayer, if you want to make that decision, if you want to step out in faith today, when the music begins, step out in that aisle and come let me know about it. You don't have to worry about anybody else seeing. Everyone else is going to have their eyes closed. The cameras are off. We're no longer on live feed anymore. It's a very personal and intimate moment. And it's a moment for you to respond to what you've heard today. Or maybe you are a believer. Maybe you know for sure beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. 
But maybe there's something you're wrestling with today. Maybe there's some kind of doubt that just keeps surfacing over and over in your mind. These altars are open for you. Come down here and you just ask Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me to do those things that I think that on my own are impossible. Because you know what? On your own, they are impossible. But with God, but with God, all things are possible. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning. We turn this invitation time over to you. We just ask, Lord God, that you'll guide us and you'll strengthen us. I pray for those who are struggling with the decision, Lord God, that you'll give them the courage and the boldness to come forward, to find help, help from others and help from you. If there's anyone here, Lord God, that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would step out in faith and choose to follow you for the remainder of their lives. Lord, with that, with our heads, we would live with the confidence of knowing that you are our God, that we are your children. With our hearts, Lord God, that it would create something within us that would radically change our lives for your kingdom. And that would in turn, Lord God, lead us to do something about it. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Oregon City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.